and speak at a summer camp. I spoke at a junior high camp, seventh, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. I would speak to them. And on this one occasion, the guy who was leading the worship, he started out uh, by having them sing this chorus. Uh, do you remember the chorus, Praise Ye the Lord, Hallelujah? Praise Ye the Lord, Hallelujah? Praise Ye the Lord, Hallelujah? Praise Ye the Lord. Very simple, right? Well, he started out and just very simply singing that. Then he began to break it down. And he said, okay, this group stand and sing, praise ye the Lord, sit down, and this group stand up and sing, hallelujah, right? So praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. Then he broke it down again, and he says, okay, this group over here sing, praise ye, you sing the Lord, you sing hallelujah. And so they're jumping three groups up and down, because whenever you're singing, you stand. When you're not singing, you sit. Then he broke it down again. He says, okay, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. Yeah, right? Hallelujah. So these kids, junior high kids, are jumping up and down, singing this, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. And they're junior high kids, and, you know, they weren't warming up. They were revving up, right? I mean, it was just incredible. And he finishes, and he's completely exhausted and out of breath, and he says to the kids, he says, well, you'll never forget to praise the Lord, will you? So I thought this morning we would do the exact same thing, this group over here. No, I'm just kidding. Turn to Psalm 100. And Psalm 100 gives us this opportunity to understand how important it is in our lives to be thankful, to praise the Lord, to be that person who is able to understand what we have and who we are as a result of what God gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. We will have a thankful heart. Uh, The chapter has been outlined several different ways. Uh, One outline is verses 1 and 2, praising God. Verse 3, knowing God. Verse 4, thanking God. Verse 5, trusting God. All of these things break it down so that we understand that the purpose of this chapter, Psalm 100, is all about thanksgiving, all about praising God for what he has done and how he has accomplished so much in our lives. So this morning, what I would like for us to do is drop into verse 4 and be able to understand three realities of a thankful heart. Psalm 100, beginning at verse 4, three realities of a thankful heart. The first reality is found in verse 4. The thankful heart has access to God. Notice what it says in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The first reality is a thankful heart has access to God. Of course, here in the text, he's talking about the temple courts. He's talking about the temple that they would go into and the obviousness of that. And when you go into those courts, you have access to thank God, to praise him. And there is this simplicity of invitation, right? Enter his gates. There is such a simplicity to that. But please don't allow the simplicity of the invitation to conceal the wonder of it all. Uh, There's kind of an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? Jumbo shrimp is an oxymoron. Uh, This invitation here is exclusive inclusivity. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? It's exclusive but inclusive. Now, notice what he's saying here. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come before him. You see, Jesus Christ is the one that grants to us that opportunity to come into the presence of God. And then you are exclusive in being in the presence of God. The invitation is for everyone to come. But even though the invitation is there, not everyone accepts that invitation. Uh, there are those that reject it. 
uh, there are pagans. Sorry, I didn't mean pagans. Um, I just finished a Middle Ages unit at school, so that's what I'm, I'm thinking. In, you know, in the Middle Ages, you were a pagan or a follower. Sorry, uh, those who have not yet uh, come to faith in Christ uh, aren't allowed into the presence of God. Uh, it's an exclusive thing, but yet it's inclusive because you have been granted the invitation, come and be in the presence of God. And when you come into those presence, you are to experience uh, and to do thankful and thanksgiving and praise. Uh, the 18th, 18th century preacher during the Great Awakening was George Whitfield. He said this, through prayers, we are enter into the very presence of God. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So how do I do this? I come into the presence of God as a result of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And when I come into his presence through prayer, I thank him for what he has done. I thank him for what he has given to me. Through prayer, we enter into his presence. We come into his presence. If you know anything about the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the the tabernacle or the temple that they had, uh, they had altars of incense, which were uh, symbolic of the fresh sense before God and the prayers that were there. And that's what we are to be like. Our prayers are prayers of thanksgiving thanks and praise. Sometimes what happens is we, we, we forget that, don't we? Sometimes instead we enter into God's presence demanding that he do something for us. We enter into his presence saying, God, look at how my life is not what I want it to be. You need to fix it. Now, I understand there are times when that's necessary. But don't forget the other times when we need to come into his presence and be thankful and praise him for what he has done. What a great thing for us to take a few moments uh, to be around the Lord's table and to to be able to look at the body and blood of Christ. The two things that were, were broken and shed for us so that we can come into the presence of God. And so we have uh, these symbols that remind us to praise him for the deliverance that he brought to us, taking us out of sin and giving us salvation and allowing us to be in his presence. The sacrifice that Jesus Christ did was once for all, right? When Christ died, that was it. Our salvation was secured for us. But the sacrifice of praise is daily, every day thanking God for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving with praise for what Jesus has done for us. Uh, the first thing that we see as a reality of a thankful heart is we have access to God. Please notice the second reality of a thankful heart is active in praise. Active in praise. Look at uh, verse 4 again. He says, give thanks to him, bless his name. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Are you starting to pick up on the theme of the, ver- of the chapter? The theme of the chapter, praise, thanksgiving. He says, uh, you are to be active in this. You are to be doing this. Uh, a bit redundant, but there is a difference here. Uh, thanksgiving, we give thanks. Praise, uh, we are able to come into his presence and tell him all the things and praise him for all that he has and who he is. Giving thanks, it's a privilege of the righteous. He, he uses a term here for bless. He says, bless his name. It's the idea of to kneel, to show honor to go into the presence of God and to kneel before him, grateful for what he has done as the king. Uh, He is the one that is over us. And he says, bless the name of the Lord. Uh, This passage tells us, bless the name. 
Why do we bless the name? Well, uh, the book of Acts tells us this, that there is uh, only one name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Or you go into the Old Testament, and there are names of, of God that are used. Remember Abraham? He was supposed to take Isaac and, and all, offer him as a sacrifice. And he got all the way to the point where, where Isaac was bound on the altar and he was ready to, to plunge the knife into his only son and allow him to be a sacrifice for God. And the angel stopped him and said, no, no, there's a ram over in the thicket there. Take that ram and sacrifice it. And he became Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Bless the name of the Lord. Uh, he is the great salvation. He is the great provider. These are names that we bless and we praise him for. Now, I think you would admit that in today's culture, that is tougher and tougher to do. Because today's culture, the message is praise yourself, self-affirm, self-support, self-improve, self-confidence, self-emphasis, right? Don't allow anyone to put you down, but put you first. That seems to be contrary to what the psalmist is saying here. It's tougher for us to do that when the whole culture says, no, lift your name, sell yourself. But that's not what the psalmist is telling us. He's saying, bless the name of the Lord. There is an ancient saying, and it goes like this, self-praise smells bad. Sometimes self-conceit is something that just doesn't smell good. And the psalmist is saying, Let's, let, don't be deceived don't allow yourself to be deceived into thinking that you are, are more important than God himself. Don't allow the comparisons that you make to others uh, to make you feel any better than you should. Instead, understand that you have what you have as a result of what God has granted you through his son, Jesus Christ. Bless his name. Bless his name. You see, if you're a child of God, you know this. But let me just remind you, when we get to heaven... Do you remember how we're going to talk? When we get to heaven and someone says, hey, I'm kind of surprised to see you here. How'd you get here? <laughs> what are they going to say? What is your answer going to be? Grace. Faith. No one's going to say, you would not believe what I did to get here. Everyone is going to say, grace, faith, Jesus, the blood of Christ. It's not going to be about me. When we get to heaven. So if it's not about me in heaven, why does it need to be about me now? Bless his name. Uh, there's an old hymn and it goes like this. All praise to him who reigns above in majesty supreme, who gave his son for man to die, that he might man redeemed. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is our savior. This morning, I am hopeful that we have a heart that is active in praise. Thomas Akempis wrote this. He said, don't think thou hast made any progress unless you esteem thyself inferior to all. And when we walk with God, people notice. Your life is much more pleasant. I love Psalm 103. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but I'm going to just read it to you. In verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Bless the name of the Lord. Blessing the name of the Lord, you understand all of the things that he has done and all that he is. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Three realities of a thankful heart. The first reality, the thankful heart has access to God. The second reality, the thankful heart is active in praising God. And the third reality, the thankful heart is aware of the attributes of God. Look at verse 5. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The thankful heart is aware of the attributes of God. For the Lord is good. If you look back in verse 3 of Psalm 100, it says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now we drop into verse 5, and he says, For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. What is good? Good is the result of who he is. It's not just good because of what he does, but he's good because of who he is. God is good. You see, as worshipers and those with a thankful heart, we sometimes get caught up in what God does for me, right? We thank him for what he does, and we forget to be thankful for who he is. And as it says here, he is good. What kind of a God? Usually not the kind that we expect, right? Because too many times what happens is we decide that we are going to adjust what we expect God to be. And so therefore, that's the kind of God we begin to talk and tell people about. Instead of realizing the kind of God that is found in the word of God, the kind of God that is good, a good God. There was a a preacher, his name's A.W. Tozer. You may have read some of his work. Tozer, at the age of 16, was coming home from uh, his work at the rubber plant in Akron, Ohio, and he heard a preacher on the road uh, shouting out his need for salvation, and Tozer came to Christ. Uh, At age 16, he became kind of a self-study kind of a person. Just kind of an odd thing. His A.W. stands for Aiden Wilson. So his name was Aiden. His wife's name was Ada. How about that, right? Uh, Anyway, he was a preacher and he said this, The goodness of God disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, full of goodwill toward men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. For the Lord is good. This morning, I am so hopeful that you are able to understand that God is good. You say, yes, but he is omnipotent. That is fearsome. That is something that scares me to death because he is all-powerful. But please remember with his omnipotence is his goodness. They are linked together. He is is not this irritated sovereign who is looking to smash your dreams. He is not this, this, this king who is hoping to extend his kingdom at your expense. Now, the psalmist says this, for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Uh, Psalm 34 even says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
experience him and you will know that he is good. Experience the God of the Bible, not of your opinion, but the God of the Bible and you'll find that he is good. Notice in verse 5 it says this, His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. His steadfast love endures forever. This is one of those those words or, or combination of words that's been very difficult for translators to come to grips with. It's, it's the idea of a covenant relationship. It's how God relates or reacts to us. It's, it's his steadfast love. It's the mercy that he shows to us. And if you see in this verse, it says his steadfast love endures forever. His kindness, his mercy, his faithfulness, his goodness, his loyalty, his steadfast love endures forever. Uh, there's a great psalm. It's Psalm 136. And at the end of every verse in Psalm 136, there are 26 verses. At the end of every one, it says, His steadfast love endures forever. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes I just need to be reminded of that. And that's what Psalm 136 does. And that's what Psalm 100 verse 5 does. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Uh, Psalm 136, Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3, steadfast love of the Lord will never cease. Psalm 23, verse 6, the steadfast love pursues you. Psalm 23, the good shepherd pursues you with his steadfast love. There is a relentlessness about this. There is a continuing about this that we need to grasp. The steadfast love endures forever. God's steadfast love. God loves and accepts us as we are. Knowing what will best encourage us, or encourage us, God knows what that is. Knowing what will bring us real happiness and joy, God knows that about us. And with his steadfast love, he pursues us. And notice what it says. It says, his steadfast love endures forever. Some translations has, it is everlasting. Everlasting. How do you illustrate everlasting? How do you illustrate endures forever? You say, well, you're doing a pretty good job of testing us right now. <laughs> we're past 12 o'clock. This won't endure forever. Trust me. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to come to an end here. But please, when you think of this everlasting, this endures forever, don't think of it in terms of endurance. Think of it in terms of enjoyment, okay? Now, you, 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 some of you have worn off the back of your phones, turning them over to look to see what time it is. And some of you are thinking, oh, my goodness, we are witnessing time standing still right here in our presence. That happens, right? You've been in circumstances and situations where you're like, oh, my goodness, is this ever going to end? When can we get out of here? You've experienced those things. And then there, there, there are those other times where you're enjoying such sweet fellowship and such great times. And all of a sudden someone says, do you realize it's 930? And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. I had no idea. That's the idea here. When we allow this truth of the steadfast love to fill our hearts and wash over us, time means nothing to us. We aren't bound by anything at all except for the pleasure and the joy and the thanksgiving of knowing that we are in his presence, enjoying a relationship with God. Steadfast love endures forever. Uh, notice he goes on to say, and his faithfulness to all generation. Faithfulness, what a great word. 
He is not some fickle being. He is not some kind of arbitrary judge who goes by his mood. Instead, he is faithful to all generations. Uh, He doesn't promise something and then forget it. There is no changing with him. There is nothing unfavorable about him or unfaithful about him. Now, I teach history, and, and, and I have heard and taught my students about those kinds of leaders who are terrifying to think about. Ivan the Terrible, that's an obvious one, right? Bloody Mary, there's a reason they have those names. Put those things aside because they were, they were arbitrary. This is a faithful God that, that acts infinitely, unchangingly faithful. And what that means is that he never forgets, never fails, never changes. Uh, Can we do Tozer again? Tozer says this, We don't always understand or see how his plan is. In our limited understanding and finite minds, God's faithfulness might look a lot like abandonment. How could a faithful God allow his children to suffer, to hurt, to die? But, beloved, take comfort in this, remembering this attribute of God. He is faithful. When we go through hard times, we know that God is faithful. My grace is sufficient for thee. Do you believe that? He is faithful to keep that promise. My God will supply my every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? He is faithful to fulfill that promise. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He is faithful. Do you believe that promise this morning? Uh, The word of God tells us, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Do you believe that this morning? Our faithful God will carry it out. He is faithful. The attributes of God, he is good, he is faithful. Are you aware of those this morning? Are you embracing those in Thanksgiving saying, thank God you are a good and faithful God? Can we pause for just a moment? I think some of you have probably experienced this, and I don't, I'm not alone, and I, but unfortunately I'm the guy in the mic, so I get to share my story, right? You've been at a football game, and the football game is, is incredible, right? It's exciting. Everyone's there. And there are 22 guys on the field who are in excellent shape, right? They have prepared, they have gotten ready, and they are implementing what they have prepared for, not just for a week, but for months. And then you find yourself sitting next to the guy who has not exercised since he was 14, telling the people on the field how to do it, right? Right? I mean, he has the perfect angle, this guy does, to be able to see what's going on on the two-yard line when they place the ball and say, that's a terrible spot. That's a terrible spot. This person who just has an opinion about everything, even though they've not qualified for anything. Listen, you can ask my wife. I've given up given opinions. I suffer from 40-40 disease. Do you know what 40-40 disease is? I'm 40 years past my prime, and I'm 40 pounds overweight. I've got 40-40 disease. So I am a watcher. I watch football. But there are those that seem to be committed to understanding and knowing so much more than anyone else. 
And that guy always ends up sitting next to me. I don't know why that is. But, you know, I think that sometimes happens in our spiritual life as well, right? Instead of realizing that we are to be in the fight, doing what it is that God wants us to do, we want to be the ones that stand on the sideline to pick and poke and say, oh, well, you know, this wasn't right, this wasn't. Let's step out of the stands, get onto the field like Chuck was talking about. Let's take the church to the people that need it. Let's be that one that moves into the presence of others to be thankful and grateful as a result of knowing that God is good and faithful. Notice how he finishes. He says this, he says, and his faithfulness to all generations. Uh, The attributes of God, he's good and faithful to all generations. There's no favorites. I, I played one sport. I played with uh, the coach's son. It's no fun. Favorites. That's no fun. God doesn't play favorites. He says to all, this is what I have available to you. This is what I have available to you. I have my goodness and my faithfulness. Are you willing this morning to thank him for that, to praise him for it? Uh, Three realities of a thankful heart. The thankful heart has access to God. The thankful heart is active in praising God. The thankful heart is aware of the attributes of God. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. When I was in college, one of the guys that I hung around with, he had a job on campus, and his job on campus was to clean the chapel and the practice rooms, you know, they, the people that are music majors have these practice rooms. They can play the piano, they can sing, the organ, all those kinds of things. That was his job to clean it. One time he was cleaning and the place was pitch dark, completely dark. And as he approached, he began to hear music. And he stopped. Because there, there's no, nothing, darkness. He hadn't turned the lights on yet to clean the place. The music began to grow louder. And so as he was heading towards where he thought the music was, he would turn on the lights. And the lights would come on, but it wasn't nearly where he wanted it to be to find out what was going on. Because he finally discovered that it was coming from an organ practice room, completely pitch dark. And the music was just flying out of there in great, glorious tones. So what he did was he opened the door, reached in, flipped on the light. And there was a guy, his name was Brian. Brian was completely blind, (laughs) couldn't see anything. So no wonder the lights were off and it was all dark, right? He played merely by what he knew and understood in his heart. This morning, let us allow, allow our hearts of praise fill our presence as we thank God for what he's done for us. Let's pray together. Father, you are a good and faithful God, and we ask that you are good and faithful in making this word from Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5 a reality in our hearts. Allow us to enter into your presence with thanksgiving and praise and practice that because you're good and faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.